Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to Footy Prime News and Such. Your one-stop destination for footy news and such. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. Well, my football friends, the deed is done. It's official. Canada's in a World Cup. We know that because today FIFA announced it in their World Cup draw. Now, my question to you guys is, when did you feel it was really a done deal? Was it real? When you first heard Canada's name mentioned, when you saw them pull the name out of the the little bowl, the little ball, or, or was it when that wonderful mascot was unveiled as the first thing they did in the entire goddamn event. <laughs> Welcome, Laib. Christ almighty, what a joke that was. Welcome to Free Prime, the podcast. James Sharman here. Dan Wong's here. Jimmy Brennan's here. Brendan Dunlop's here. And Craig Forrest are here as well. So, fellas, let me start with you, Jimmy. You've seen your, your good number of World Cup draws in the past. Do they usually lead with the, the mascot being unveiled before even mentioning any footballer or footballer's team? That's a good, good question, James. Jimmy has no idea. I have no idea, but he's never. This is the first draw he's ever watched. What are you talking I, about? Listen, you've you've worked with me long enough. Remember in Sportsnet when I look away, that means don't ask me the question. I've just looked away. Why did you ask me the question? <laughs> well, you just struck me as the kind of guy that that likes mascots. That's all. All you're doing is looking away on the podcast. We wouldn't talk to you the whole time. <laughs> if Jimmy, Jimmy actually said no. Jimmy said, oh, yeah, this is normal. They always do that. Uh, I'd be like, what? Maybe they do. I, I have no idea. But Laid has arrived, and I hate the little bastard already. Can't stand him. Good chance he could ruin the World Cup for me, no matter what kind of group Canada's in. But more importantly, let's get that group, shall we, Craig? What do you think about this group? I, I'm actually talking for John Herbin here. Deep down, he's pretty damn happy about it. Belgium. Morocco, Croatia, and Canada in Group F. It could have been a lot worse, right? Not that it's easy. It's a tough group, but it could have been a lot, a lot worse. Could have been an awful lot worse, yeah. Um, we were actually talking about going, it's pretty well balanced, I think. You know, when you go group to group, but it's nothing crazy. Like, there's not a definite group of death. There usually is, isn't there? I, I can't really say. I mean, Group E, perhaps, with that Spain, one. Germany, Japan. But, that would be the one, but it's not like there's, there's three truly world-class yeah. teams in it. There's two, no. obviously. And even with Canada's group, you know, Belgium, aging side, coming out of this golden generation, had a very good qualifying, though, unbeaten, weren't they? Yeah, six wins, two draws, zero losses. 
Morocco, actually, they cruised through a qualifying two quite nicely. And Croatia, the same. They only lost uh, once. And they're qualifying seven seven wins, two draws, and a loss. So, interesting enough, Canada lost two games in qualifying. But um, all in all, that is not bad at all. I'll take that. That That's not bad a draw. That's not bad. Yeah. That said, B, Canada will enter this World Cup in that group as the, the underwhelming underdog, I think it's fair to say. Morocco's hardly a world beater, but I th- even so, they've mm-hmm. been at the World Cup, I think, six times already. They've got that pedigree. Canada should rightly be the, the underdog, not to say they can't get out of the group, but is, is that fair to say that you'll, you'll see them as being a team that's the team that really no one will give any, any hope to? I think that that's a good situation for them to be in. I think that that's a situation, pardon me, that's a situation they wanted to be in, right? And John Herman said uh, afterwards, after the draw on the big broadcast show, he said, you know, the, we're, this is a build towards 2026. I'd always said that, that getting to 2022 was in laying the foundation. This will be the experience. And I mean, I didn't read into that as him saying, hey, we're going to go three and out. But, you know, it's being there was the, was the win. And uh, getting out would be a, the super cherry on top. Um, you look at what it would take, four points. You look at Morocco as being that game that's probably the most winnable. So could you take a one point off of the other two European powers? I think anything can happen in tournament football, as we've seen, which is which is pretty great. So I agree with you that it could have been a lot worse this draw. Um, you know, Morocco comes out of a, that African qualifying round that's very, very difficult. You look at the teams from Africa that aren't here. Uh, Morocco's one of them. But I, I like the way Canada matches up against them, and, and we'll see how things things run. Hey, Jimmy, Herman said in the post-match interview and press conference how this World Cup's really about just enjoying it, enjoy it. That, that teams need to really experience a World Cup before they can really seriously consider, you know, being successful at the World Cup. Then he goes on to say, well, listen, but it's also tournament football. Anything can happen. You know, knowing him as you do, do you get what he's saying there? That he's yeah. trying to get the pressure off his players right now? Look, the, what, he, what he's got to do as, as a manager is take the pressure off right away. Right. He'll put all the pressure on him, take the pressure off the players, because right now these players, the emotion that's going through their head is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Qualified for the first time in 36 years. So he's got to try to play it down as much as possible. Try to get the players to relax, be calm, to enjoy the occasion. Um, But deep down, don't get me. Don't think any different. He wants to get through that next round. 100% 100% he does. He doesn't want to just go there just to participate because the team that he's got, you know, they're, they're a dynamic team. They're young, lots of energy. Martinez actually came out and posted that, you know, Canada is one of those teams where he's going, oh, they're a threat. You know, so he, if he knows about Canada and he's already kind of posting about it, then the world's starting to take notice of what, what these guys have done. And they've just won CONCACAF. So they, they'll be looking at it thinking, oh, that's one team that we got to keep an eye on. And that could be the dark horse. We could be the dark horse in this tournament, right? Not saying that, yeah, we're going to go all the way and we're going to win it, but I think we're going to upset a few teams. I think that he's played it perfectly. I think that publicly, internationally, he's going to let the media in Belgium, Morocco, and Croatia all know that we're here just to enjoy this. And in the dress room and on training pitch, it's going to be completely different. The last thing he wants to do is say, we like the draw. We're going to, we got a shot at getting out of this group and playing it that way. Nah, not for you know, Jimmy, that's not the way to do it. Yeah, Let everybody think you're going there. This is just play it that way. We're all happy just to be here, but that's not what the intent is. Do, do you think the fact they lost two games 
And the last window on the paper wasn't the best window. We know the truth to it, of course. But you lose Costa Rica, you lose to Panama. Does that allow Canada B to somewhat slip under the radar a little bit more than had they gone unbeaten in qualifying? Yeah, I think so a little bit. But I do think that, and Paul Pesher-Solito said this to uh, Craig and I a little while ago, that for Canada is like an international story. And in England, it's probably the second most talked about team. Um, at least yeah. that's what, what Pesci's hearing. So I, people have been paying attention. I, I do think that seeing them in pot four, perhaps there's a few that thought, oh, well, maybe Canada's not as good as, as Mexico and the United States because just look at where what pot they came out of. But, I mean, we waited 36 years to see Canada back at the World Cup. Of course, they're the last ball out of the fucking bowl, right? Yeah. I don't think it'll be under the radar, radar, though, because just because of the fact that, I mean – these teams are going to watch those games as well as all the ones they won and go, holy shit, they hammered Costa Rica, down a man, lost, post-crossbar, lots of chances. Panama made some changes in that game. Should have got something from that as well. You know, it's not like Canada played any games in the qualifying where they didn't deserve something from, a, from the game. And you talk about the mind games. Jimmy mentioned that Roberto Martinez is already talking about Canada, right? And if I want to read between the lines of that, is that a he's telling you know his a message, direct message to his players, like don't take these guys lightly because they've not been there. These, this team is fucking talented, and it scares me. Or is he telling the country like, hey, don't think that we should go and run them off the pitch and win four nil, and if we don't do that, it's a failure. But this is a good team. I, I think it's a different story for him. It's a different story for for Martinez. I think because. He's got one of the best teams in the world. Their players are so experienced. They know what's going on. They've, they've been around the block. The manager's been around the block. They, they, they've played against some of the best teams in the world. Um, so for him, I think he's just being honest and genuine, going, hey, these guys are a threat. They're a good team. They're a good team. On paper, yeah, they, they should really – they should kill us on paper. And it's going to be – but we'll make it a difficult, difficult game for them. But I don't think he needs to play those mind games with his country because his country knows. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're expected to, to beat us. Aren't you surprised, though, that he's still in that job? After the Euros, I did not think Roberto Martinez would take this team, this Belgium team, to Qatar. I think people were unfair on them at, at Euro. They actually played really well. And they lost to the, the champs, didn't they, in the end? Yeah. Right? Italy beat them on penalties, yeah. did they not? Yeah. So it's not as if they, they just completely capitulated and were terrible and awful. And sure, I know they're aging a little bit, but I mean, it's not as if Lukaku and Kevin De Bruyne are, are old men. I know Lukaku's having a tough campaign, but he plays great for his country. De Bruyne has been back to his very, very best recently. A guy like Carrasco at Atletico Madrid, a, a guy that hasn't been there the whole whole journey, is, is incredible. Wonderful player. You know, I know Eden Hazard's fat and broken. He might not be there, but there's still some youth coming through there. Thorgan's you know, better if, than Eden. Right, but I mean, the, the golden generation maybe didn't win anything, but they've come close. England's golden generation didn't come close, right? Yeah. Belgium's come close, and I still think they're good enough to win a World Cup. I think Croatia is probably the team. That, that to me, is a key fixture in this. It's the second game, right? They play uh, on the 23rd against Belgium, and then the 27th against Croatia. You, you get a point in that one, then the Morocco game is enormous, obviously. And, and given how, how old those legs are for Croatia, and we saw them in, in the last tournament, run out of gas a little bit and certainly at the World Cup they were incredible to the final then they ran out of gas you can't rely on Luka Modric for much, much longer I don't think so there's an opportunity there I think for, for an explosive dynamic young 
pacey counter to do some damage. But it's kind of weird, though, Craig, even talking about tactics and matchups now. It's so many months away. We've still got mm. half a season of the next season to look forward to. <laughs> Difficult as hell to judge anything right now. Yeah, yeah, I know. Very good point. Yeah. Interesting enough, you know, looking at this uh, Belgian side, I mean, they got a player, Chatoui, who's playing for Besiktas. So the boys are going to know him. You got a couple club Bruges guys are going to be playing with Tejon. You've got two Moroccans playing with Sam Atakube. Yeah. Yeah, Hatayaspor in Turkey, yeah. International football, you know, when you used to go to these games, you stand against these international legends, you didn't play with them. It was, you know, nowadays there's a comfort a little bit because it's like, hey, you're standing there in the tunnel and you're shaking hands with the guys you know. And uh, yeah, I, I play I with these guys. Is- that's why the Champions League isn't what it used to be, right? Because it used to be the European Cup. You'd hear about these great teams, AC Milan and Juventus and whoever, and you didn't see those great players every week. So there's this, this this mystique about them. And it's the same for the World Cup, this mystique. And and now, obviously, with, with European football being the way it is, the collection of, what, eight, nine super teams, all the best players on those teams. It's lost a little bit of that, I suppose. Mm. But it is, there will be that familiarity for sure. Um, looking elsewhere around, around the groups here, is it fair to say that if there is a, a group of death, it's Group E? I mean, I'm with Craig. I don't think it's, it's a typical group of death, but Spain, Germany, Japan, and Costa Rica probably, right? Is that the one? Yeah, it's Costa Rica. Costa yeah, Rica to be New Zealand. Yeah. To me, that's it. That's as close as you're getting. I don't yeah. think anyone wanted to, you know, face Germany or the Netherlands. And I, I felt like one of them was going to draw a group A and get Qatar. And that's the Dutch. So, uh, Germany and, and Spain and, you know, the way it lines up E versus F, whether, uh, Canada's runner up or wins the group, they're coming up against, uh, Spain or Germany. So, um, that'll be an exciting group. I think Japan's got to be pissed and, and, you know, feel really unlucky with their draw. Yeah, for sure. I think that was one when it came out. That was one group I was looking going, please don't put us in that one. <laughs> yeah. Please yeah, don't yeah. put us in with these guys. Um, but you're right. Japan's probably looking going, oh, good God. They probably, they, they're probably doing the same thing as what Canada would have done. Yeah. You know we what? In that, just if, gone if, off. Out of all groups, we ended up there. And if it was, instead of Costa Rica, if it was Canada, then everyone would talk about that as a group of death. Canada CONCACAF winners, this upstart team that everybody's talking about, that yeah. would have solidified that groupie as official group of death. And I don't you know. think it would really be. I mean, I think yeah. for, for us, I think Canadians would say, oh, yeah, group of death. But I, I still don't think it's a legitimate group of death, even then. CONCACAF winners. Alfonso yeah. Davies, Jonathan David. It's all about sensationalism, Charms. They got to sell this shit. Oh, no, and that's our job. And we'll, we'll, we, would, we would have championed that as group of death. But I think outside of these borders, I don't know if it would have been considered, it would have been the group of death of this tournament, yes, as it is now. But I, I just don't think, I've seen better groups of death put it that way. Oh yeah, for no, sure. That, I mean, that's why we're all kind of going, oh, okay. Is there really a, a, a group of uh, group of death? Look, I heard, I heard uh, Hercules Gomez, he, I watched his tweet and he said that group C was a group of death with Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico and Poland. Really? Mm-hmm. What's he talking about? Yeah. Has he seen Mexico lately? Yeah, seriously. Saudi Arabia shouldn't even be there. Maybe maybe if they kick out Saudi Arabia, then they'll bring back Italy and, and that'll work out. I think Saudi Arabia won their group, though. Their qualifying group. Yeah, oh, no, I know. But you've heard about the whole scandal and controversy since, right? You know, the women fans trying to get in the stadium and getting pepper sprayed by security because they're women. 
Uh, to be honest, I've not. You haven't seen that? No, it's, it's blowing up today. It's it's just awful. Mm. And uh, there are groups, When does this happen, Sharms? Um, over the weekend. Really? Yeah, right. the last qualifier. Um, women were allowed into the ground. They had bought tickets. There's, a, there's, there's not just a, a isolated incident. There's tons of... Tons, I'm not sure how many, but they were pepper sprayed by security. And so you're not welcome in this stadium. But what about the 91,000 to see Barcelona Real? Okay, like, come on. Really special. That's where that's 91,000 people. That's new a, not, just, not just 91,000, but 91,000 voracious, like, yes. loud. It was nuts, apparently. It was like your typical <clears throat> El Clasico crowd. It was uh, yeah, fantastic. Boy, have we swung to a different direction here. This is a World Cup draw podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Wonga. Well, but leading us down the wrong, wrong road once again. Producer Wonga. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me? Can women go watch football in Qatar? I don't good even question. know. Well, it's a good question. question, right? I think the fact that the World Cup's in Qatar makes any, any call for, for Saudi Arabia to be kicked out for similar reasons mute, as, as mm-hmm. wrong as that might be. Moot or mute? The, do you, you, remember, you remember when this thing was announced, right? All those years ago? B, I, I think I probably did a podcast with you. Or a we TV show. We, I'm pretty sure we dead. said, what a freaking joke. It yeah. shouldn't be there. And here we are now. Number We're number one in Qatar, too. And here we are now <laughs> with Tim Cahill and Idris Alba talking about Qatar as this beautiful country, right? But, you know, here's the biggest thing about whether women can see the World Cup in Qatar. It's more, can anyone see it? Sharms, you were talking to Stephen Brunt from the Toronto Star. And you guys were talking about the cost of Stephen if he was going to go cover the the games in Qatar, the World Cup, I think you said something into the just getting over there and hotel was 15K. No, I think I forget the actual detail. It wasn't the flight. It was like but, about $17,000 for a week you know, or so. It's it's astronomical. So yeah. Qatar, this is Qatar is very interesting, obviously, as a country in general. But if you remember, it's only a couple of years ago that they've been like re-included in the Arab world. Um, Saudi Arabia led this boycott of Qatar that tried to like isolate them and cut them off. And they're surrounded by water and they border Saudi Arabia. So it's kind of easy to do. And Saudi Arabia carries the, the biggest stick in that region. Whatever they say, they've kind of the rest of the region follows. So Qatar was completely isolated until just very recently where they've kind of let them back in because the whole world is going to the region now, is going to the Middle East. And I think, um, Jesus, I forget my, I pulled a Craig. I forget what the hell my point was there. <laughs> you were doing <laughs> so well. You were doing so well. You had me. Yeah, you I was had intrigued. The, I was like, the political Go side. Yeah, like yeah, the it. political side. Yeah, the geo. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was all perfect. It's understanding would be, I'm sure you like myself. I've been doing this stuff since 6 a.m. <laughs> my brain's kind of shutting down a little bit right now. Yeah. <laughs> are, you telling long, me that, are you telling me that it's Jimmy and I who are the two smartest on this podcast right now? Because no, that's not good. The more refreshed, at least, the more relaxed. <laughs> yeah, definitely not the smartest. Well, well you, Jimmy's you, on the bed right now. He's relaxed. Yeah, he's lazing back. He's literally on a bed right now. Yeah. Wunger and I are just languishing by our Well, he, he took over for Dickio. This is Dickio's look, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he laughs more than Dickio, though. I'm really yeah, glad he, for he's that. Not wow, imagine that. Jimmy's brought the level up considerably. You guys I can remember Dickio's that. laugh, can you? Mm. Has he got a laugh? <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that what it is? <laughs> I don't know. So, B, That's listen, you can't. You, you've got to finish this story. Fuck. Qatar. Yeah. You know, the Welcome stick back to the Arab world. Their rulers and 
He'd said saw the charms. Qatar. Was there something about a bone saw? The bone saw. Mm, thing that's what or? it was. Yes, bone journalism. Journalist. A journalist being uh, Newcastle up. was involved buying Premier League yeah. teams. Um, and we're said, now we're judging. We're judging Qatar while we work in the industry that allows that to happen. Sharms had said something about Saudi Arabia and how... And the women being in this region. It's it's unlikely that, you know, there'll be a lot of attention Mm. um, thwarted or any, you know, any pressure. Um, It would take a lot to kick Saudi Arabia out of of this World Cup. And I think that, uh, yeah, I think that there's definitely, you know, um, Qatar was rising to be a power to challenge Saudi Arabia. And the last few years, that boycott, like, almost totally crippled it. And they've only been allowed in because of this big world event. So perhaps that was my point. It'll come to me. Sorry. I don't I think, think it's the reason why they're having point. a World I think Cup. you're no. just making that shit up. <laughs> no, just, I'm, that, you're just that's making that shit up. Because that's there. got nothing to do with the story that you were telling us. I built it up fucking great, too. <laughs> you did, man. I was right into it. Broadcast <laughs> professional. <laughs> Brendan. Is it about getting over there? It was Bahrain. Fuck. There was nothing to do with Bahrain. Part of the reason why there's a World Cup in Qatar is because they want to be legitimized in the Western world, mm. right? Because they haven't got the power of a Saudi Arabia, which is legitimized by the Western world for obvious yeah. reasons. I yeah. think you're making that Oil. up too. I am making it up. But it's sounding oh. good though, right? It's all about mm. the Benjamins. So no, this is not part of my story, but one thing to get clear, Charms, uh, your rule was always whatever Martin Tyler says is the way it should be said. And mm-hmm. hearing Peter Drury um, refer to it as Qatar, so emphasis on the first vowel, I will now call it Qatar. Yes, but they had a, a the, the woman, one of the first guests today who was, um, man, I wish she a magician okay. or something crazy. Anyway, whoever she was, forget. <laughs> she was but a special she guest. Was from, she was from, and she was referring it, sorry, well, I say it wasn't her. It was her translator was saying Qatar. Mm, I heard like five or six different renditions of the word today, the one yeah. broadcast. Well, Idris Elba. I was I was waiting for Idris Elba to say Qatar, and he didn't. But what, what a dream! What say? Eh? Idris Elba, what a great host. There's if only I, yeah, if I can thousand of them, so there. Idris Elba. I don't think anybody in from Qatar and Canada is going to say anything, no matter how we say it. There's only a few hundred thousand of them. They all live there. I might just Rich. call it the World Cup. Just call it the World Cup. Yeah, I like World Qatar. I might just stick with that. Qatar? Mm. Emphasis Qatar. on the second A? Uh. Yeah. It's going to be hard for me to say Qatar because it sound, that's how the English say it. Like when I say, what are you doing this weekend? People laugh because they don't have an English accent to say it the way Charm says it. Mm. Jimmy, do you say weekend? Yeah, I say weekend. Weekend, though. No. You say what are you doing Canadian. this weekend? Yeah. Normal. Yeah. Charm is like, what, what are you doing this weekend? Weekend. Oh, you yeah. pronounce the end. You guys like are fucked. Pronounce the end. Yes. Yeah, I do a pronounce the end. Uh, yeah. The show is back, boys. Shall <laughs> end. <laughs> hey, I want to talk about uh, England no. uh, and uh, the USA and either Scotland, Wales, or Ukraine. Oh, What's going to happen? What about Iran? And Iran. Hey, you see Iran or Iran? It's Iran, Iran or Iran? Iran. It's Iran and Iran. Seagulls. Yes. Because I ran so far away. Yeah, I think this is a pretty boring group, actually. Unless, yeah. unless Scotland or Wales get in there, and then watch out because that'll be fun for England. Geopolitically, it's a very exciting group, actually. Mm. Uh, Ukraine might get in there. Memories of yeah, you, geez, could you imagine if Ukraine got in there against Iran, who are kind of sitting on the fence a little bit right now? Oh Christ! Then they got the states in Iran. It's yeah. a group of politics. Yeah, yeah. Well, they played in '98 in France. 
And I remember there being concerns that that mm-hmm. game wouldn't take place. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, don't look to your left, but there's something disturbing over your shoulder. Oh, wearing a Merseyside luchador. <laughs> Jimmy Brennan, Brennan family is... If the bell rings, guys, call the police. Yeah. Okay, can you tell your brother that there's no masks anymore? The masks are optional. They're not required. So, Sharps, please describe what we were watching. Basically, you're looking at a multicolored gimp. So appearing over in the background over Jimmy's left shoulder was the guy from Pulp Fiction. Standard charted Liverpool shirt with a wrestling mask. Bring in the gift. Mucho Libra. A luchador mask. Nacho Libra. Nacho Libra. Yeah. Where were we? Oh, yeah. uh, yeah. Jimmy, explain to us the geopolitical issues. That was great. Because he misspoke and Jimmy, what Jimmy said in Spanish was more freedom. You said Ooh. mucho libre. And that's what we all need, guys. That's what we all need in this world. <laughs> mucho libre. We all need it. <laughs> I think Ukraine is going to do it. Uh, do you really? You think you think Ukraine's going to be Scotland? Yeah. I hope they really? get a chance to. So it's the winner that plays Wales, though, yes? It's yeah, Ukraine winner, winner plays Wales. In June. Yeah, Which is a long yeah. ways away. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Who knows where, where things are then? You know, Jimmy made a really good point about Scotland. And that, like you look at the, them, they're in a golden generation right now. And they showed really well at the Euros, right? So I don't know. With, with everything that's gone on, gone on with Ukraine and, you know, you look at the, how they performed at the Euros. I think if they had met, if they had drawn each other um, last summer, I would have taken, I, I would have taken Scotland. So, yeah, uh, up against it. I think that, uh, I think Scotland got a really good team, and they'll be looking at that as like we got to get through Ukraine because we're we're getting to Wales. We want that matchup to punch. Uh, uh, let me ask you this: a golden generations in the context of that particular team, or overall, like their world class talents? Like, is a golden generation for Belgium the same as a golden generation for Scotland, or is the bar a little bit lower? I think lower. everyone has can have a golden generation. Like, look at Honduras a few years ago, right? When they got to the World Cup, um, was it after the A1 humiliation that that team was, um, you know, had quite a few stars all over the world and it was the, the strongest team, at least on paper, you'd say? I think that's Wilson the qualification, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's, it's, in, it's contextual to the team. Like, Canada's golden generation is, for us, is a golden generation. Perhaps right. it wouldn't have been for a Brazil, my point being. Yeah, maybe I'm just overthinking. That's fair. That's fair. Maybe. Yeah. Well, if you look at Bra- Brazil's got a conveyor belt, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of these countries, we don't we don't have the conveyor belt. You know, Iceland had that golden generation. When you talk to people in Iceland, you were like, "Right, what were you guys doing different?" And, and they'll tell you flat out, "We just had a golden generation. We just had a group of guys that were all together, and, and we won it." And then they fall on off the the charts again. Mm-hmm. And certain countries are going to be like that continually. Right. Mm-hmm. Not big enough. The, the popularity of the sport isn't there, you know, but that's for us Can now. Be, this this group is phenomenal, but we've got to make sure we got to try anyways that to make sure that we start producing that next generation. That next group of players are going to fulfill the, the, the same boots that the of the players of today get into this World Cup. Yeah. And that's how you become a Portugal I think right, right? like Portugal, yeah, Portugal had that Portugal, don't forget, that's a great point because Portugal think they were, you're thinking they were always great, but they weren't. 
No, prior to the Luis Figo, Nuno Gomes era, right? They weren't hadn't qualified for a long time. Yeah, you guys make fun of me. I was born three months after Canada played at the '86 World Cup, but Portugal, my connection to international football, they '96 the Euros, where they were supposed to be good and they were trash. They didn't qualify for France '98, and then from Euro 2000 on, they've been a a expected staple. Um, And now you would never expect them to not be at a major tournament again. Uh, yeah. And they've got a pipeline of players that they're that they're creating, but they they were absent for a long time, for decades. You're right. They, I but think they, they were achieved an awful lot, though Portugal, because they they, they did play great football, but they just didn't get the results. They were, they were an established football team, culture, just, weren't they? Yeah, just a little so, bit off. Yeah. So how is Canada different then to um, in Iceland, for example, which isn't known for being a football culture, and nor are we. we we're growing into that. But how is Canada different to an Iceland? How can how can Canada continue this where, where Iceland fell off? Honestly, I think money. I think money will, will change it. There's an infrastructure here that you're able to draw on. There's a untapped pipeline. Like it, it's limitless. Whereas you're talking about a country of 300,000 people. Like there's, le- there's legit caps that you can prognosticate. Whereas here, the skies can really be the limit. And you look at the players that have been able to come up through MLS academies. You know, I don't think it'll be that foreign Really, Jimmy, and you, you could tell me better, actually, when there's, you know, 13 and 14 year old Canadian kids that can't get in at the MLS academies here because they're so that the pool's so deep that at 13, 14, maybe they're moving to the States. Yeah. Maybe they're in the USL in, in an academy yeah. type of system yeah. and developing here. Um, that's that talent pool is just going to continue to so, grow. So let me, yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think when you look at it, too, right, B, was that, you know, if you, if you look at. Iceland, they, they're not very, it's not multicultural, mm. right? We're in a melting pot right here of people from all around the world. And everybody that comes from around the world all plays a game of football. Mm. And our population just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So as the national team continues to grow, the popularity of the sport should continue to grow. And then we should have that, hopefully, conveyor belt of players just keeping coming through the system. So, so I think I, that's where we where where we've got the lottery a little bit, is because we are so diverse as a country. Jimmy and Craig, you guys grew up, and I know both of you played multiple sports, and we've always talked about how great it was that we were able to play multiple sports. But did you guys choose football, or did football choose you? Meaning, Jimmy, you were probably. Killing it on rugby field, killing it yeah. on, you know. You, yeah, so you, so my, my story is different. Craig, Craig's is actually a funny story. So when, when I was growing up, um, it was actually my mother put me in, into football. Mm-hmm. My mother put me into it, right? And, uh, and I fell in love with the game because I was yeah. at a young age. I was always kicking things. And, and I did what most Canadian guys did. I, I played hockey in the winter. Um, I played rugby in school. I uh, played basketball, but I always had a huge passion for the game. And I was at the age of maybe 15, 16, where I had to make a decision because I was starting to get competitive. And uh, I had a chance to, to continue playing rugby. And, and I went, no, you know, I, I want to be a footballer. Um, but since uh, from a young age, but I think maybe because, you know, my, my, my mother was Scottish, father's Irish. And, you know, it's 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 the game. So you grew played. up you grew up with domestics happening all the time. Yeah, right? especially with a, with a mother that's a Rangers fan and a father a Celtic yeah, fan. Yeah, the Catholic and the Protestants upstairs. Yeah. So ask me what, what I think about religion growing up with that. <laughs> Same with Sharps. What about yeah. you, Craig? Did, did, did football choose you? 
A little bit, a little bit, because uh, it it was very fortunate. Even at the age of 12, I was playing in the under 13 Canadian championships in Brampton, Ontario. Uh, team was the Coquitlam Adnax out of the West Coast. And the uh, lot of lot of crossover from the lacrosse and the soccer team, which were both very good uh, teams. And uh, the goalkeeper playing for the lacrosse team wasn't a goaltender in lacrosse, but... Uh, he was for the soccer team. His name is Robert Bader, and he was not going to be making the, the uh, tournament on Labor Day, Labor Day tournament in Vancouver, BC, because uh, his family wanted to do the RV trip back across the country, um, and that was going to take some time. So I was asked if I wanted to uh, take a chance and, and play. And that was, uh, I remember, and because it was so late at the age of 12, I remember it was. Uh, Porter Elementary School field. I know exactly where it is. I remember the very first goal I conceded. Um, and then after that, I was like, Jesus, I'm not very good at this. But I fell in love with it like Jimmy. And then I just wanted to be better at it. You know, so I just kept going. And luckily, I was very fortunate. Our coach, head coach was a Hungarian old guy and uh, Alex Zabo. And then I had a goalkeeper coach at that uh, at that young age as well, called Roly Longbottom from Leeds, and uh, and Roly uh, was great for me in developing quite quickly to you know get me in a situation where I was playing for the provincial team a few years later. Cool. So did That's you give up? Again. All, yeah. Did you give up every other sport at that point too? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. A lot of that, you know, it comes down to cost too. I mean, my. Yeah. My dad was a fireman. My mom stayed at home. I mean, we didn't have tons of money. The dad was pension poor, if you want to call it that. Um, so I had to make a choice uh, just out of uh, expense. He just he goes, I can't keep buying hockey equipment and goalie gloves. <laughs> you're killing me. <laughs> that, that was a, you're right, though. That was, that was the same with me. My, my, my father's a plumber. My, my mother was a hairdresser. We got three boys. We were playing football and getting involved in other sports. And it was got to the point where it was just like, this is especially hockey. They were like, come on, like enough's enough. It's yeah. insane. We can't, no. we can't afford to keep paying yeah. this. It's insane. My stepbrother, his kid's playing a, a high level and he's, uh, you know, I think he's in his draft year or his OHL draft year. My brother said he's paid $15,000 minimum every year since my, my nephew Braden was eight. Wow. No, wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. And you, and you, you've got to be honest. And I think you've got to be honest as well and with, with your kids and just say, Hey, listen, you've, you might have a better shot going this way than you do that way. Because I remember telling my mother, look, I, I think I got a good chance of playing hockey and getting in the NHL. And she more or less told me I was shite. <laughs> um, so you're not playing hockey anymore. You, you, you stink, yeah. son. Yeah, you're horrible. <laughs> if we had more money, you might be better, but we don't. Yeah. So you should, you're not as good as what you think, kid. <laughs> you know my, what I did? Uh, on the fourth line and can barely, get, barely skate. Until he was on our show. Did you guys know that Patrice Bernier played in the queue? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Quebec crazy. Hockey league. Yeah, I had no idea. Player. He made reference of being a hockey player. And Incredible. I Googled him for something else. And this photo comes up of him in a Val d'Or shirt. And I thought, yeah. well, that's a weird charity thing. He looks very young. What what, what time was this Canada Soccer was doing Quebec uh, hockey game tours? I'm like, oh, he's playing. Yeah, yeah. My story is a bit different. I, I chose football, but football didn't choose me. And, and then I chose rugby. And rugby didn't choose me. And then your dad didn't choose you. 
<laughs> Touche, Craig Forrest. Yeah. We've, got this, we've got the same story. Football didn't choose me. I told Max Crapo and Craiger the story of me getting dropped from the U8 team as a goalkeeper, and that was the U8? end of it for me. You got dropped from our charity game. <laughs> yeah, but that was because you started me in the middle of the park because you confused me with Dunfield. <laughs> that was the best. We're in the change room. All these ex-internationals. He he names the starting lineup. And he goes midfield Dunlop, and I'm like Dunlop, and I look around. And I'm like, really? I'm like, all right. I guess he's he's thinking that someone's showing up late or someone's not got their boots on yet. We go out there, we set up, and he turns. And he goes, what "The fuck are you doing there?" You told me in the middle, and he goes, "Not you, Dunfield." <laughs> whole team, whole team goes. Oh, that makes way more sense. We didn't know what Jimmy was doing. He's been he getting your name been wrong ever since. Yeah. I still, I still remember when he came onto the field and he was so excited. He's like, "Oh, okay, this is awesome." I was like, "What the fuck? Get off the field!" <laughs> <laughs> Broke his heart. And then he put a picture up of him sitting on the bench by himself. Well, actually, you were sitting with somebody else. <laughs> Maybe this is why Jimmy, Jimmy, your York United gig, you kept misnaming people and they kept um, showing up on the wrong side. I'm terrible with names. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a fun day. It was a good day. Fair enough. You had a great game that day too. Thanks, I'll give buddy. You that. We got to do that again. It's been a while. Yeah. We'll we'll set another charity. Footy Prime charity games. soccer game. Yeah, Footy Prime Let's charity. Play rugby. It's a rugby game. It'd be uh, much more fun. Where, aren't we all trying to work in TV still? We, this is the moneymaker. Come on. Speak for yourself. <laughs> this is no moneymaker. <laughs> Faces for radio, boys. Especially with that tan you got radio. going. All right, boy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Thanks for that. I, I shouldn't be playing any sport. COVID strikes again. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah it's worse in the suburbs. Light up. All right. Everyone. Anyway, um, we should probably call that. Sure. Quits. Given that Weekend we've show. got more appointments coming up. Been a crazy busy day. Uh, we're back there on Sunday. We can reflect on today. And also, we've got a Premier League weekend and European football weekend oh, to talk about. Crazy. In a while, I'm still I haven't thought about it. It's weird. It seems longer than two weeks, doesn't it? I, I haven't thought about it either. It, I can't yeah, it does it. seem like a long time. Do you imagine the players having to readjust? <laughs> you know, we were talking to Sam Adekubi today, 15-hour journey. Like He just landed Jesus. and gets on with us clowns. Did he really? Yeah. Good for him. Just for landed, him. yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, Max Crapo so was in uh, in Orlando, so he was getting ready for the game. He was still waiting for his team to arrive, L.A. So beat his team there. Yeah, yeah. So back at her. I tell you what, the managers will uh, have a little quiet word, won't they, Jimmy? Yes, they will. Get yourselves well, sorted out, boys. This is where up, you're be, uh, buttered. <laughs> announcements yeah. for some big games. June is the next window, right? There'll be an Asia's League game for Canada and then uh, room for one one friendly. In yeah. in Canada, so uh, it's great to see BBC doing the uh, broadcast here in Canada too. It's awesome. Who BBC is doing the broadcast for TSN? I, I I didn't see anybody without an accent on there, so I figured it's, it's BBC. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Pesci's going to get a job over there for BBC because yeah. he's actually Canadian and he can't get a job here. So you know, just well, you know what we have to do that we're going to create <laughs> Footy Prime TV. Just so you can have, uh, you can call some games, Craig. No, I, I wouldn't they, be welcome on it. They don't. They don't have Canadians here. You wouldn't be. No, no, no. no it'd just be Jimmy and mine. Craig's turn. That's right. Yeah. We're very diverse, so we got to 
little Portuguese there going on. We've got the English guy there. That's not a problem. Yeah. We've got a Chinese guy, a German guy. We've got a Turkish guy, an English guy. Yeah. And, they're all, and they're all Wunger. Yeah. Yeah. All under one. Madagascar. Yep. Still got Madagascar. Yeah. My 23 and me. You got guys, one, guy, like, one guy with one ball. I mean, yep. dude, yeah. my diversity. How do what kind of diversity? Back in the day, we we were prodigious fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we doing a lot of fucking. I think we should do up. one one episode. All speaking uh, with a uh, with an accent. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. All right, lads. How's things really going? All right, let's talk about football. All right, okay. What I about? Charles is, Charles is Canadian accent. We tried that before, but I want to try, hear it again. Say no, really goodbye. I can't, I can't do it. I just cannot do it. Try it. I've tried. You the guys kill me, you me man. <laughs> do that again. Do it again. You guys kill me, man. <laughs> so like, uh, that's American Midwest. That's very American. You sound very like young. Minnesota. I think the, the Canadian accent is a lovely accent, but I just cannot. I just can't do it. You need, you know what you need to do? You need to harness like the Canadian accent, uh, not just how we speak, but like standard. Like, like you got to go, eh? yeah, eh? like the, these guys I play hockey with, oh, sauce that biscuit there, bud. I'm like, how do we live in the same city that <laughs> <laughs> you speak like that? Anyway, listen, I have to go. I really have to go. All right. All right. We're going in the pool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's got to go tend the farm out there. <laughs> All right, lads. Thank you. We'll see you on uh, Sunday or Monday pretty soon, though. Enjoy the weekend, everyone. Goodbye. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.